welcome, folks, to the first ever episode of Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gregory, and we are excited to have you with us today. Um, Make Mine Multiversity is a uh, currently monthly podcast dedicated to all things Marvel. And so today we're kicking off our maiden voyage with a look at uh, Marvel Legacy number one, our thoughts on Marvel Legacy, and then uh, what we think about Marvel going forward. Every month we'll have a handful of people from our Multiversity Comics family with us. And so today we have Jess Camacho and Robbie Pleasant. Uh, how are you guys doing this this evening? Good, good. Excited. Excited. Yep, I am awesome. doing quite well. Looking forward to this. Very cool. Well, why don't y'all uh, go ahead tell us where you're coming from, um, kind of how long you've been been in the comics game, and what are some things that you really, really love about Marvel and are really excited about? So, Jess, why don't we start with you? Uh, yes, yeah, so I am Jess Camacho. I'm a contributor here at Multiversity. Um, I am in New Jersey, and uh, I've been reading comics now for about 10 years. Um, and I've been writing about comics for about, I think this is my fourth year about writing for, with writing about comics. Uh, I've been at Geeked Out Nation for the four years, and then I've been at Multiversity. I think this is my third year at Multiversity. Um, and as far as Marvel goes, um, I am a big X-Men fan, so, um, you may have read the Mutant Versity column running at Multiversity right now. Uh, that's, that's my little space I've carved out to just talk about the X-Men. Um, I am actually reading all of those series, which is a lot. <laughs> um, uh, I, I have fallen out a bit with the Avengers. Um, I go in and out of that. Uh, I do like to read some of Marvel's fringe titles, you know, the stuff that doesn't always last as long as you'd like it to. So I read a lot. I read a uh, Squirrel Girl. I read. Uh, I read uh, Night Nighthawk, which was which was solid. Um, and so I, I like those kinds of titles. Uh, but Marvel, Marvel's kind of not. You know, Marvel could be doing better. Um, but there's still some stuff there that I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. As Robbie, me, what about you? Yeah, I've been uh, writing for Multiversity for. I think my one-year anniversary passed a little recently, so writing for Multiversity oh. for a little over a year. Um, write for Geek HQ as well, not so much doing comic reviews there, but more uh, news and events. But I've been reading comics, uh, let's see, we count manga then since middle school. If we're just going <laughs> with the comics themselves, I've been following them since, I want to say, sophomore year of college, that was... Longer ago than I'd like to think, started with Astonishing X-Men. And uh, my taste in Marvel, I like the team books for the most part, as long as they're, you know, good, well-written teams. Um, I also like the stories about younger heroes and the more comic titles. So uh, I love Deadpool, Gwenpool, and I'm a, an eternal devotee to the Church of Squirrel Girl. Very nice, very nice. Uh I guess I should introduce myself too, given that this is the first episode. Um, so, I'm in Chicago, uh, right at the moment, been reading comics only for the last uh, last couple of years. Uh, I haven't hit my year mark at Multiversity yet, but looking forward to it. 
Um, and I think the things that I that I really love about Marvel, so I started buying a like single issues from Marvel about the time that uh, that Secret Wars started a couple years ago, and so I think that's like the the pinnacle of what Marvel could be uh, for me. What I've been enjoying lately, I really like uh, Tony Curtis's uh, Black Panther. It's really cool. Um, what else am I enjoying? All of Jason Aaron's Thor stuff and Doctor Strange stuff has been really solid. Uh, I love Silver Surfer, um, and yeah. Well, so this episode is going to be uh, a little bit different than some of our usual our usual episodes. Usually, we'll start with the news section and kind of transition either into some current reviews or current stuff going on, or uh, we'll be having some episodes where we pick up some older Marvel stuff and, and kind of dig through it and kind of dive dive deep. What is it that what is it that Paul always says on his on his podcast on his podcast? Is it dig deep. Um, we're going to be doing some of that. But today, we're really going to be honing in on Marvel, Marvel Legacy. And so if you haven't read Marvel Legacy number one, the issue that is uh, the launching point for Marvel's uh, next big seasonal relaunch, I encourage you to pause the podcast right now because we do intend to pull it in. Um, so guys, to start off, what were some of your expectations going in the Legacy? Yes, you mentioned that maybe there are some things that, that Marvel could be doing better. Um, what, what was your, what was your expectation? What do you think, what did, what did you think was going to be, legacy was going to be? Well, as someone who probably reads more DC than Marvel, I was kind of hoping that I'd get the same emotional response from legacy that I got through Rebirth, and I didn't really get that. Um, not because the plot points that were introduced are bad, but mostly because I I have a hard time reading Marvel Comics uh, big event books without thinking, yeah, but this is just going to be undone real quick. So it's like, yeah, you're introducing all these really interesting ideas that we'll get into um, as we go on, but it's almost like but for how long does this matter until the next big thing, you know, quote, the next big thing hits and none of this matters anymore? Because it feels like they're just on a 12-month cycle where it's never really leading to anything. It's just big idea after big idea after big idea. So I would like for Legacy to pick these things up and do something interesting that doesn't... um, end up being just like a drop in a bucket and goes and becomes something truly special. So that was my thing with, with this one shot. Yeah. What about you, Robbie? Well, as for me, I was mostly just hoping for something that would pay tribute to the history of Marvel, to the heroes that they have, and the characters that are now carrying on their names and traditions. Um, I guess kind of something like what... Uh, the Generations comics were doing, just on a more uh, wide scale. And I feel like, for the most part, I got that. Uh, I like how they brought in some of the you know, ancient history of the characters and show how it traces back to before the comics even began. But at the same time, I also feel like a lot of what we got was just, you know, hey, here's what's going on for everyone in Marvel. So, mixed feelings overall, but... Uh, I, I think I still view it in a more positive light than a lot of the other comments and reviews I've been seeing, so maybe I'm in the wrong. Yeah, so what what did you think Marvel had to really do 
in this one shot to, to nail it and, and to, to really say this is who we are and this is what this is going to be going forward. You kind of y- y'all touched on this a little bit. I I don't even think it's something they could have done in the one shot because, like I said, I do think the stuff that's introduced here is really interesting. Um, but it was kind of missing the heart for me. I mean, we'll get into this, but I, I really did love the Fantastic Four a bit. Um, but as a one-shot, I don't think there was anything it could have done to persuade me that in a year's time, we won't be looking at some other giant relaunch that kind of undoes everything that this next year is going to do. So it's more, for me, it's more... What will legacy lead to, and how long will those stories be allowed to play out and and create that emotional connection that I I want to have again through Marvel? Sure, sure. Uh, I'm yeah, and go I go for it. I got it. Oh, I I think that that's that that's absolutely true, and that and that I might have been a little cynical coming into this into this as well, thinking that well they're just going to do away with whatever this, this status quo update is in the next uh, in the next six months, in the next eight months, in the next year. Uh, and I got and I guess I got a little a little frustrated after their comment of like, oh we're not gonna have any big events for the next eighteen months of the Secret Empire. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we're doing away with events entirely. It's just that, that every comic is an event now. Every every series is is an event. We're telling the the biggest bombastic stories that we can tell and I feel like that that branding um, was something that I I don't know was was a little iffy about so as for me I kind of feel like what they needed to do to make it really epic was you know make it feel like everything that's going on in each of the tidbits that we get is really going to have consequences and it seems like for the you know, main legacy story with the Frost Giants and the Primordial stuff, then yeah, they're building up to something with that. But at the same time, a lot of what we got was just little uh, tidbits and snippets of where the characters are now, rather than uh, really getting to feel like it's important. Uh, It's kind of like a, hey, if you're not following these comics, here's what's going on at the moment to go ahead take a look, start reading. Uh, otherwise, it kind of felt like didn't really serve too much of a purpose when you're looking away from the main uh, story that they're telling. Sure, sure. Um, cool. Well, let's let's go ahead and try to try to dive deep into the issue then. And and I think before we get into the into the heart of all the all the different plot points, which I think we're going to talk about. Uh, what did you all think about about the art for this issue? So when it was announced, um, I get, we haven't said this yet. I probably should have at the beginning. Uh, so Marvel Legacy number one, when it was announced, was going to be written by Jason Aaron with art exclusively uh, by Asad Ribic. And a couple, I guess a month or so after that announcement, it was revealed that there would be a uh, smorgasbord of multiple other artists, a murderer's row, uh, so, so Chris Samney did art on this. Russell Dodderman, Alex Maleev, Ed McGinnis, Stuart Amonin, uh, Pepe Lares, Jim Chung, Daniel Cuna, Greg Land, and Mike Diodato and David Marquez. Um, that's a lot of artists. 
Oh, and Steve McNiven. Jeez. Uh, so yeah. So what did what did you all think about the art for for Legacy? So, I am not the best when it comes to identifying individual artists unless they have something really distinct about their style. So for me, there was uh, there was uh, a few moments where it was just a sudden shift, and it was like, oh wow, okay, this is looking very different now. I guess they changed artists here. Or, oh, look, this is a style that I recognize from this other comic. It's the same artist that did that. Um, for the most part, I felt that the artwork was very solid throughout. Um, the shifts were occasionally jarring, but not always, and they did tend to match the general mood that they were going for. Uh, let's see. Overall, I would say that the art is... Pretty good all around. But uh, I, I wouldn't sure. have minded if they just yeah. stuck with one throughout. Right. Yeah, it's always weird when there's um, so many artists on one book. Um, but I kind of get why they did it. It's kind of like, these are all teasers for stories that are going to come out of this. So let's get some of those artists in here and kind of tease what those books are going to look like. And that's fine. But as like, as for a single issue, it just kind of, it was kind of all over the place. Plus I'm not the world's biggest Greg Land fan. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> the moment I see him pop up in a book, I'm like, Oh God, here we go. But, <laughs> um, I, I do like all those artists that are involved. I, I would love, I mean, this is not, like, towards just legacy, but I would love for Marvel to, and DC, at the, you know, at the same time, to take a chance on artists that don't have such a conventional style and really try to experiment with what superhero stories could look like. Which, again, it's not to say those artists are bad. They're great. Yeah. I mean, Asad Ribic is, like, he's fantastic. I mean, he doesn't do bad art, but... Um, It'd be nice to see them take some chances on some unknown artist or unconventional artist and pair them up with their big name writers that will immediately sell books. Who are some of those, I guess, more uh, unconventional artists? Um, Well, when they had uh, Ramon Villalobos working for them, doing some uh, doing the X Men uh, Secret Wars tie in, I thought his his art is pretty different than what you usually see um and i i'd like to see like um who do i want to see do a marvel book there's so many artists i'd like to see do a marvel book i would just like to see them not have the same five guys doing the same superhero books over and over again um uh josh howard is a really interesting artist um see there's like so many people that i like um maybe maybe they could use their social media reach to actually check out some tumblr pages and just try to grab some people that are a little bit more different i mean um they i think dc just announced today that inaki miranda is going to be drawing harley quinn and that that's that's an artist with a really interesting style that would be cool to see do something more super heroic um I always, I mean, when they had Jeff Lemire, I always thought it would be fun to let Jeff Lemire draw, like, Avengers or something and just be really weird with it. Yeah, like, he's a great writer, but, like, he's also a really great artist, so that would be kind of fun. Um, but, you know, just, like, people like that who just do something different. Yeah, I just finished reading some of uh, 
the, the first two volumes of Bloodshot Reborn, uh, where like there's some of his art mixed in with uh, oh crap, I can't even remember who the the artist is, but it's like it's such a stark contrast, and it's it's really really cool. Big Jeff Lemire fan. Um, yeah, I thought that I thought the art was really good. I thought the Assad Rook stuff was really, really good. And, and again, like you said, just I don't think that he he draws bad things ever. Um, Robbie, you mentioned that you were you were having some problems, I guess, identifying who draw who drew which sequence. Uh, I kind of had that too. I, I tried to go through and, and figure out who was drawing what, and I had a really I had a really hard time doing that. There are two distinct moments when the art really changes, and you can go, okay, yeah, they definitely shifted here. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be for the Captain America in the diner scene, and then Jean Grey finding uh, that Wolverine is alive because he left a opened statue behind. Those scenes, you could really tell it shifted. For the rest, it's more in the subtler ways with character designs or the coloring style or just the general uh, way the panels are set up. You really have to look for it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and it it you know it definitely helped that they had the the artists for for these ongoing books really kind of drawing those those teasers. Like I definitely knew that that Russell Dodderman was drawing the um you know the the Thor stuff, and I I could see that that was Alex Malieve doing the the Tony Stark stuff. I think that's Ed McGinnis who did the Deadpool stuff, but I'm not really sure. And it says David Mark. Yeah, I, I think that is. you think so. It said David Marquez is in this book somewhere, and I, I for the life of me, can't find him. Because um, I love David, I love David Marquez. Civil War Two was maybe if you just put a little bit in the credits when they say you know art by yada yada, they could say you know which part they did. Lord knows that would have made my review a whole lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so talk about that because I know you you reviewed this this issue for the site. Um, what were some of the things that you that you said uh, in that issue, and then we'll we'll kind of get into the plot points. We'll get into the weeds here. So one of the things that I really liked was how they started off with the you know ancient history and the precursors to the not even modern day characters to the characters from before the modern day characters all the way back to Odin and the first Phoenix and Starbrand and Black Panther and um, all these characters that have this long history behind them. I thought that was a really nice touch. It kind of makes it seem on a larger scale to understand the history of these characters. I also liked how after that we got to see parallels between the modern day versions and their precursors. You know, so like we see um, Captain America, Thor, and uh, Ironheart, and then you also get back and you see you know Odinson and Steve Rogers and whatever is going on with Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. That was some nice parallels there that I enjoyed. Uh, one thing that really bugged me was when, you know, the current star brand appeared and he was attacking Ghost Rider and he did the whole usual vague, oh, I can't let you find it thing. And it's like, dude, just freaking explain yourself. Tell Ghost Rider what's going on. He'll probably go, oh, okay, I can't go near that big giant thing. Yeah, I won't do that because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> right. Yeah. And- uh, similar. Oh, it was like, and instead he. Similarly with Ghost Rider, I don't really know how it connects properly because Robbie Reyes, his spirit is not the spirit of vengeance. That's uh, He's got Eli in him, the crazed Satanist murderer, which is, you know, quite distinct from the classic Ghost Rider spirit. 
Sure, sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's let's go ahead and we'll we'll kind of get into the get into the weeds here. So we're gonna pick up pick up all these all these plot points and 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 kind of talk about them a little bit. Um, so so Robbie, you mentioned you really you really enjoyed the like the one million or ten thousand or whatever whatever years uh, Avengers BC Avengers stuff at the beginning. Um, so let's get into let's get into that let's get into that a little bit. Let's talk about that. Um, Jess, what did you think of the of the ancient Avengers? Ancient Avengers. That's that's so much easier to say. Ancient Avengers. I thought that was a really interesting thing to mess around with because it kind of takes the legacy thing and like magnifies it even more. Because now you you kind of have to look at it saying, well, even like Thor now is technically a legacy character because there's been a version of him from a million years ago. Um, I kind of like that. I, I for this for this part in particular, this is where I like the art the most because I loved those designs. Like I loved um, Cavewoman Phoenix. <laughs> I really dug that. Um, but as far as the story goes, I find it really interesting um, as to how this is going to end up tying into the future, which we get to at the end. It's the end, right? That we get to with with the celestial. We end up seeing that come up again at the very end, right? Yeah. That's- oh, and speaking of the celestial, are we all in agreement that it looks like Ava Unit O One? Oh, one hundred percent, absolutely. I was I was kind of hoping that this was a secret crossover. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely really dug uh, the stuff at the beginning. I really, I really, I wanted more of it though. I guess was my, my biggest thing. Like, I feel like we have this this cool story with these these ancient Avengers, and then it just, it just goes away. Like, it's it's the one plot point that doesn't like continue to like the other two main stories kind of continue to recur throughout the rest of the rest of the issue. But this just kind of ends, and I do wonder. Um, just like you said, like, where are we going to see these characters again? Yeah, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if they're, if they're going to make an appearance, but I, I do like, um, I do like the theme running through that story about, you know, what's going to come next, uh, what is our legacy, even, you know, what's our legacy a million, a million years down the road, um, and their legacy ends up being the Celestial, so... I found that really interesting, but I don't know if there's going to be a way to bring them in. Um, I I mean, I think there might be something there with Phoenix, but I don't know yet. I will have to see, because Jean Grey is coming back, so... Yeah, and he's coming back with five other artists besides uh, <laughs> you. So, going back to that conversation at the beginning about having the same five guys at Marvel draw everything. Yep. Get more of that, uh, Robbie. What do you think? Do you think that we'll see these these characters again, or some uh, incarnation of them uh, in the future going forward, or or what do you think? I mean, I really hope so. I'd like to see more of these, you know, ancient Avengers. Uh, I mean, we got Odin and Agamotto, so that's you know, characters who we one who we still see and one whose name pops up, you know, pretty frequently. We got the ancient Phoenix who. Uh, if I'm remembering a recent issue of Thor, right, you know, once had a fling with Odin. I'm sure that was interesting. <laughs> uh, ancient Ghost Rider, the first Iron Fist. Um, 
I mean, at least with Black Panther, he can do that whole, you know, commune with the previous, well, his predecessor's thing, like the Avatar can, crossing over series here. So he could even, you know, look back and see, oh, hey, the first Black Panther, you fought this Celestial. I'd like to see more of this tie in. And I really hope they do more of it because I think it's a really good idea. It adds on to the history of all these characters. You know, characters that we know have had this ancient lineage that now we actually get to see. So I, I don't want them to just leave it at that. I really want to know more about them. Sure, sure. The The only thing that I could think of when you said uh, another crossover episode is I could picture Mr. Peanut Butter in my head saying, Bojack Horseman, is this a crossover? <laughs> 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 I love those um, yeah I, I wonder I wonder too if these characters will will show up um, in that form again and I feel like I, I think if I remember correctly that like that Jason Aaron has said on Twitter that that they might in some form or fashion um, appear but again like you were saying at the beginning uh, Robbie like all of these the like legacy versions of these characters appear um, throughout the book and so, so maybe we're getting some kind of like ancient Avengers legacy team or something, which I think would be kind of a cool, a cool idea, you know, like get, get Iron Fist and, and Ghost Rider and, and Dr. Strange and Black Panther and, and Jean Grey when she's back after be, being drawn by five dudes and then like Thor on a team all together and maybe Jason Aaron and, and Riddick come back for that or something. Yeah, that would be great, especially since they are all talking about, you know, having the dreams where they were being cavemen who murdered gods. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely something tying them all into this. So I'd I'd like to see them come together. Yeah, I mean, that really picks up with the second part of Legacy with Ghost Rider and Starbrand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's get in. Let's get into that. So. um, So what do we think about uh, about Starbrand and Ghost Rider? That was so brutal. Oh my god. <laughs> it, it was a great fight. As I said, I just really wish Starbrand would, you know, explain himself instead of being, you know, vague, I must defeat you to save the world, yada, yada, yada. Right. Uh, this is my biggest gripe with comics. When characters are put into forced conflicts because none of them take the time to bloody explain themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so so like Pikmin's Avenger is like one of the very few long uh, long long series that I've read for Marvel, and like this version of Starbrand kind of seems like very on a character from like the version of Starbrand that appears um, like in those like in those issues and the whole lead up to Secret Wars. And yeah, I, I do feel like it's kind of a very brash, just like oh well, you're trying to get in the way of this thing that I'm trying to do, so. Let's uh, throw boulders at each other. Um, so yeah, Jess, what are what do you think of? Yeah, I mean, Starbrand is written really differently, and I think that's mostly just because they're using him as a. They need to give Ghost Rider someone to fight in this scene to lead to them all figuring out what's going on with that Celestial. So like, Starbrand's trying to protect it for whatever stupid reasons he has, and um, he's kind of just there to be the, the source of conflict, and that's kind of terrible for that character, because that's not really who he is. I mean, he, he, he has been... He has been built up as somebody different, and, and with Secret Wars especially, they did try to create a character 
that was three-dimensional, and that kind of all falls away here. Um, I am really interested in Robbie Ray's uh, Ghost Rider uh, figuring out um, that he can do the penance there. <laughs> Although that was pretty cool. Um, but other than that, I mean, I don't know where this is going to lead, because doesn't, aren't the Ghost Riders getting a book? Like, there's just going to be a team of them? Uh, they got Spirits of Vengeance that just happened. That's, well, just started. That's not uh, all Ghost Rider. Yeah, I think that it's not, and it's not this Ghost Rider either, is it? Like the, like the Johnny Blaze Ghost oh, Rider okay. too, right? Yeah, and Johnny Blaze is the one yeah. with the Spirit of Vengeance instead of, you know, a yeah. Satanist. So, I, I mean, I don't know yeah. um, where they're going to end up picking this up, but Robbie Reyes might be the one who actually finds the Celestial before anybody else can, and I don't know. I mean, that's going to kind of set him up to being an important player, which I like because I always liked the character. I really liked his first couple series. So, I mean, I'm interested. No, I'm interested in him having a big role. I just hope it doesn't turn into something like Starbrand does now, where any development kind of just falls away so he can be a piece in a puzzle. But I guess, do you think that, I guess with this idea of, of Legacy, that there will be a, like a new Starbrand since, uh, rest in peace, this one, this guy, uh, he, he bit the dust at the, oh, at the sure. end of this issue? I, th- I just, I don't know if, I mean, I'm kind of hoping he ends up being somebody we know. That'd be kind of cool. Sure, sure. Yeah. Ooh. What if, what if it's the like the the version of of Quasar that was in Nick Spencer's Cap stuff, all that lead up stuff? I don't know how the whole Starbrand thing works. I mean, it's not... already a Quasar. Does she really need to be two things at once? Maybe. Yeah, no, probably not. I don't know. It would. It has to be somebody that we that we already know though. Like they wouldn't. I don't know that they. In this, in this clearly kind of sort of reactionary uh, relaunch to the idea that they're having all these new characters that that some people feel are aren't catching on in a way that is that is fruitful, that they wouldn't just pawn this this Starbrand identity off onto um, onto somebody brand new. I don't know. I'm not even fully convinced that the current Starbrand is entirely dead. I mean, yeah, he exploded from a penance stare, but. Uh... This is comics we're talking about. Characters have come back from worse. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Forget what we're dealing with here. Oh. Cool. Anything, anything more to say about, about Starbrand and Ghost Rider? I think we've touched on yep. the important stuff for them. Well, let's... So So the next the next kind of big, big piece is... Um, breaking into this into the shield facility um and how that all plays out so so robbie what do you what do you think about about that whole that whole spiel with and that and that kind of leads into into logan coming back at the end but what what do you think about that about that part of of this issue well first thing i just liked how the 
little box there afterwards marked for 1939. As soon as I saw the date, I was like, oh, okay. Nice little nod right there, but that's not really an important detail. Uh, I mean, we get to see Loki being Loki, giving speeches to convince people to do things that is really for his own gain. And with the modern Loki, you, you got to assume that it's for what he believes is the greater good, and he's got some sort of kind of beneficial plan for it, even if the way he goes about it is somewhat destructive. Um, I mean, he says he's here to save the world, but again, this is Loki. You can never entirely tell how things are going to play out for him. It was really just leading into seeing the you know, current... Uh, well, the current versions of the big heroes, you know, Cap, Iron, Thor, and getting to see them in action. Some nice ac uh, combat against the easily disposable Frost Giants. And also leading up to getting to see that, hey, Logan is back. So the Frost Giants were just uh, disposable plot points being thrown away for the sake of the action. But it was fun action. I liked seeing the characters coming together, fighting things, you know. It's entertaining. Sure, sure. I didn't, I didn't get the the yeah, for nineteen thirty nine reference. I'm not sure exactly what that is. Because what that is? Uh, just focus on the nineteen thirty nine. That's when uh, the first issue of uh, Timely came out, or rather, the first issue of Timely Comics with the uh, Marvel oh, name. All right. Oh, okay. I, I did have to look it up, but. I saw 1939. I knew that's a year of some significance. Googled it. What do you, what do we think is in the box? That was the um, Infinity Stone that Logan got. Oh, that's right. It was, yeah. yeah. Which one is blue again? Is that... So many stones. Boy, I'm shaming myself yes. on this podcast by not remembering yeah. these certain color-coded stones of infinite <laughs> power. Yeah, so it's interesting too because they're not... In the comics, they were they were insane gems, right? They weren't until until the advent of the of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because that's what they're called in the movies, right? They're Infinity Stones. So, like, are these are these like different things, or are they like uh, it's like that's just what we're calling them now because we don't think people are smart enough to know the difference between a stone or, or a gem or, or or whatever else. I don't I don't know. Uh, blue is the mind stone or bl mind gem, whatever we want, <laughs> whatever we want to call it now. <laughs> the mind thingy. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Okay, you know what? I'm not gonna jump ahead. <laughs> I'm not gonna jump ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. So I thought. I thought. You know, like I said, this is this is a lot of fun action. I think that I. That and this might just be me. Like I thought that Jane Foster's like eyes were like kind of weird in all of these panels. Like that's a thing that like I just think I just thought it was a weird a weird contrast because like in the, in the art that the Dotterman does for like like you don't like ever see her eyes I guess and so it was just kind of a oh whoa that's a thing um, she has eyes under the helmet that's weird. One thing I want to point out is like. Like I said, I've fallen, I've kind of fallen out with like the Avengers books, and um, this was the first issue I had read in a while with this team, and I really liked them. 
there was something about them that clicked for me, even though they're not the Avengers I'm used to seeing. I really thought they had, like, this really cool back and forth with each other, and I'm kind of wishing Jason Aaron was writing Avengers, this particular team, because I'd read that. Unless he is, I, I'm, I'm not sure, because I, as far as I know, he, he isn't writing Avengers, but um, I'd read his take on this team any day. I, I would read anything by Jason Aaron. I am a huge fan of his work. I would read the phone book if Aaron wrote the phone book. Um, that's, I mean, he's he's great, uh, and I do I do think that this team is really fun, and I really think that um, that like I like I like Riri, Riri Williams as a character, and I like Jane Foster as a character, and I love I loved Sam Wilson as Cap, and I think that that all of these characters have like have so much potential, um, and so much like so much great like. So much beauty to them that I don't I don't want them to like fade into obscurity with with this newest relaunch with all these people clamoring for this this old thing that that I have no I have no reference point for I guess it, it it's a funny contrast I've noticed within the comic community and we demand new stories and to shake things up and to have these big events and yet at the same time everyone fears change and whenever anything gets switched around or characters pass on a title, there's always going to be some vocal people speaking up and saying, no, this isn't the character I grew up with. I don't want things to be different. And really, there's no pleasing everyone. And I think what Marvel's doing is that they've got the you know new characters carrying on the torches while still giving the predecessors things to do. We've still got an ongoing with, you know, classic Thor as, you know, Odinson, the unworthy, he's still doing his own thing while well, we've got the Jane Foster Thor, you know, kicking ass. Um, we, we've had plenty of multiple Captain America ongoings with Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers and, you know, occasionally Bucky Barnes. Um, and I think at this point, anyone who says that Marvel is tossing aside the old characters for new just to hit some uh, representation points is really not paying attention and I, I love that we are getting these, you know, characters with, you know, the big names behind them that are providing a lot more representation for marginalized groups. I think it's great. And it allows you to tell more stories because you can only tell Absolutely. you can only tell the same Tony Stark stories over and over again. But you have a brand new world you can play with with Riri. There's an entire thing. There's entire things that go with her, her point of view, her experience as a hero that you can't do with Tony Stark. Which is why I always like Miles Morales because you can tell stories with him that you couldn't tell with Peter Parker. It's just again comes down for me to Marvel letting other people kind of play in that sandbox and do some different things. And I love Miles Morales as, you know, his own Spider-Man. I love Kamala as Miss Marvel. Uh, All the young heroes that we've got right now, I'm really enjoying. Uh, Amadeus Cho as Hulk. Uh, I didn't see that coming. He had his own thing. He's doing good as a Hulk, He is. That's a good book. That is a good book. Although I, I still have a soft spot for when, you know, he was traveling on with Hercules because I, I love Herc. Yeah, I, think, I think for me, like, and I've, I've said this to multiple people, the, the Unstoppable Wasp book is, I think, one of the best things that Marvel's published since, like, since I've been reading. I loved, I loved that book and I loved, I loved Nadia as a character. So I think that there's, there's absolutely room 
for all of these characters uh, to coexist with one another. And I think that um, I think that's the point of legacy. I think they're they're asking is 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 that possible? And I think I think the answer yeah, has I mean, to be yes. I mean, DC's been doing that for years. Like you have all the different Robins with their own personalities now and their own stories. You've got multiple Batgirls who have all found their own their own kind of place now. Um, as their own kind of vigilantes. I mean, you can do it. It's just whether or not you want to commit to doing it. I do think that DC does a little better in terms of letting us know the characters before they take on the mantle. Uh, Like with some of these new characters, they're just kind of throwing at us like, hi, I'm the new so-and-so. But at the same time, we do get to know them. And I think that just with DC's way, it helps avoid the backlash that we occasionally get a bit more. But... Honestly, it, it's still perfectly fine what Marvel's doing. No, absolutely. absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think there's a difference between between having um, having these characters and kind of and kind of throwing them out there and 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 not and not laying the groundwork for those um, for those legacies to like to set in and to exist and to be to be meaningful and to be powerful. Um, and I don't think that this this whole like seasonal mode of publishing really lends itself to to building those kind of those kind of tell uh, those kind of tales those kind of stories where you want um, those characters to be to be built up naturally out of the stories that are being told. Like when you're constantly uh, relaunching over and over again, uh, you don't have time to you know to, to put to put the story uh, into somebody like like Rear or to put the the um, like the whatever into you know into somebody like like Amadeus or or like some of those those characters that they point to that that the 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 people on the internet get really get really fired up about okay characters that are being mentioned again um the next part of legacy is that one page with Thor um Mangog is is uh getting name dropped Yeah, I know nothing about the Mangog. Um, it's a the blind spot there. Man, Mangog at well. one point was um, uh, he worked for Thanos. So, given that the Infinity Stones are getting name dropped. Um, a bit, and Mangog is getting name dropped as well. That might be pointing to something. Maybe next year with the big movie coming out, they might try to do some big cosmic thing with the four characters and Mangog to kind of tie into the movie release. I don't know. That would make sense. Yeah, that's kind of where where I'm I'm seeing this heading a little bit is that is that we've got this we've got legacy, um, and then we'll go ahead. So we have so we have these these handful of kind of uh, you know teaser one page tales and and just you you got to set a point. There's the one about about Thor. There's the one about, about Steve Rogers in a diner where he's kind of going on this uh, Superman grounded quest for rediscovery. Um, we got Tony Stark. Uh, his like weird 
cyber coma thing, body missing. And then we get to the point um, later with uh, with Jarvis and Nadia in the Avengers mansion and uh, Jarvis looking at this statue and there's an extra character uh, with all the, all the, the founding Avengers. Um, and I think that's leading into that, that Avengers No Surrender weekly story that they'd, uh, they've announced for January, um, which they're also getting into in January that, that Guardians of the Galaxy um, 150 issue, which is the, they're teasing the return of, of Adam Warlock. Um, and so I'm thinking those two, those two building to this bigger, um, this bigger cosmic story that'll probably bring those teams together in time for, for May 2018 when Avengers Infinity War comes out. Yeah, now they've got Adam Warlock coming back, like you said, which, again, ties into now they have him to maybe lead a miniseries or something if they want because of Guardians of the Galaxy. Sorry, that spoils anything. (laughs) But he gets a mention at the very end of Guardians, so, of the second movie, so... He's coming back to comics, they're... Their Mangog might be showing up with Thanos and the Infinity Stones, so it's all going to something like at least one part of this is going to be some big cosmic battle that's going to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. And and while we're while we're on on that topic, um, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately with just and in, in thinking about Marvel's comics and their movies. Um, is it like is it okay to you both that that they kind of have that that very uh, like symbiotic model with their comics like whatever is coming up in the movies something about that the plot for the movie is going to show up um, in these comics like what what do you what do you think about that? So like I'm I'm kind of like a forever optimist when it comes to this kind of stuff because like I I kind of like to believe that someone goes to see one of these movies and then, like, they're like, hey, this is cool. And then Marvel is doing an event book at the same time that kind of ties into all that. I kind of like to think that maybe that bumps sales a bit, that somebody who wasn't reading comics is now going to read some comics because the movie and the comics were are so similar. Um, I mean, that might be naive, but I, I like to be an optimist in that way. I used to work in a comic book store, so I... I used to see it every once in a while. Someone would say they saw, like, an X-Men movie or something, and then they wanted to read something that had those characters. And So I like I like to still believe those people are out there. <laughs> yeah. Robbie, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that's why they're doing it. They're going for that bump. You even notice in the artwork that they will change the character designs and some of their personality bits and quirks in order to better match the movie versions. And... Sometimes it is a little jarring, uh, especially when you look back and see, wait a second, where did this personality bit come from? Oh, right, the movies. But at the same time, I get that they want to make people who are being introduced by the movies feel more uh, welcome and understanding of the characters that they you know, go, oh, okay, this is the guy that I know about. Um, you know, Here's you know what he's doing now compared to what he was doing in the movie, but I still recognize him. My main thing is that they got to do it in a way that, you know, jives with what the comic is currently doing. I don't want them to interrupt things and go, hey, here's a movie character. Look, he's important now when they were in the middle of doing something else. Uh, As long as they keep things flowing from a good story standpoint, then 
there is an infinite number of stories that are out there to be told using the characters who have shown up in the comics and the movies. And I, I, I don't mind as long as it, you know, still reads well. Yep. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I get a little more, I get a little more cynical when it comes to that, that sort of thing. And, and maybe, maybe I'm not being new, new reader friendly or whatever the term is, but it kind of, I guess it, it frustrates me when, um, when, like you were saying, Robbie, when there's like this this story that's clearly going in one direction, or these characters that have that have never before uh, behaved in a way um, that they do, and then these these movies come out, or these these television shows uh, come out, and then we we either have these like these new characters running around, or these characters that have like these totally different personalities than um, than they ever have before, uh, and I don't know, like I I think that I don't. I think that the the comics have to lead the way for those those movies. I guess like the the comic stuff like has has to be in my mind like like more important than these things that are happening on the screen. And maybe maybe from a marketing standpoint, like that doesn't make a lot of sense because obviously the movies make billions and billions of dollars and and the comics don't. But like if you're a if you're a creator working at, at like at Marvel, you're being dictated by these things that these like these other people are doing on the big screen, like. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of shitty, but like, oh well, there's a big thing about Star Lord and his music on the movies. Now we got to make that a central part of his character in the comics. Right, right, yeah, exactly, stuff like that. Um, where and and where those character traits have have like not ex- have not ever existed before. Like it doesn't. Nothing about it feels uh, like super super organic or or anything like that. At, uh, at least in the Thor comics, Malekith is still Malekith. Sure, sure, sure. I love Christopher Eccleston, but God, is that movie terrible? <laughs> oh man. Okay, well we're getting we're getting into the weeds here. Um, so we have a couple, we have a few more of these kind of one page shots. We have we have Deadpool uh, dead pooping in a fast food restaurant and then getting shot up by the police after uh, after shooting Phil Coulson during. Secret Empire, um, and then we have this weird uh, page with with Iron Fist and and Doctor Strange, uh, and Norman and like a Norman Osborn is is running is running away after trying to break into the Sanctum Sanctorum, and I think this is like the weirdest of all these teasers. I love that. Thing. I think the weirdest is Space Wakanda. Oh, that's, we'll get to that. We'll definitely get to that. Um, Jess, you sounded like you. We're gonna say something like you said. You love that. I love that page. I love. I love um, Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange so much. It is so he he brings the sense of humor to the character that I just I love and and it's just it's funny, but also like it gets serious when it needs to. And like that page is a perfect description of his Doctor Strange. Like I'm really bummed that he's leaving that book, but Donny Cates can can write that way. If you've ever like ever read any of his other stuff, like you know that he's probably going to bring that kind of charm to Doctor Strange and I'm I'm super into it. like I love that page like I'm here for that kind of wacky um, sort of comedic take on Doctor Strange and Iron Fist that should be a book I'd read that. My favorite line in the issue: "My shrubbery is not to be trifled with." Danny Rand. <laughs> I love it so much. It's great. And then of course we have Norman saying, "Damn that shrubbery." 
maybe it's a Monty Python fan in me, but I love shrubbery jokes. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, do, I do love that page. I, do, I don't know what it's, what it's pointing to necessarily, I guess. It still ties into the whole Ancient Avengers thing, because we've got the modern-day Iron Fist when we had the previous one back there, and we got Doctor Strange when Agamotto was in the uh, flashback, so it's still connecting, even if it's not in quite as big a way as Ghost Rider and Starbrand. And and then you had uh, sure. Iron Fist mentioned, did you ever dream that we were cavemen killing a god? And and Doctor Strange is like, many times. <laughs> yeah, it definitely connects. And then, I'm... I'm... You... Norman Osborn, oh, that's I... the only thing we get connecting it to any of the Spider-Man ongoing, since there was that really great issue where we see him trying to learn magic, then being told, nope, you're too wacky, crazy yeah. evil to learn magic. We're going to tell all the other places not to let yep. you win. <laughs> that that yeah. was a good issue. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that point that you make, though, about, about Spider-Man, that there's no Spidey stuff in this whole issue except for this one thing with with Norman Osborn is um that was kind of a really a really like stark not Tony Stark a really like kind of blatant weird thing that that stuck out to me when I yeah, read this Spidey's got like, a legacy I like, too let's get some of that yeah well and like if I'm thinking of, of like any of the any of the characters that that really espouse like what is Marvel to me? Like, what is the Marvel legacy? The legacy of Marvel, like, it, it's it's characters like the Fanta- it's the Fantastic Four characters, which we'll get to, and and Spider Man. Like, I feel like those are the two big things, uh, like in my mind, and and like that was that was sort of missing. Yeah, and at so. the same time, we get Deadpool, and I I love Deadpool. I'm a big fan, but he just doesn't really seem to fit in with the whole theme of this issue. It's really just a hey, here's a look at another character that people like and what's going on with him. I, I mean, if they were to do something like with uh, his daughter, Ellie, or even to show us that um, you know, he's got a you know, his ex-wife's demon, well, half-demon baby on the way from the Deadpool 2099 mini stuff they were doing during his run, that might connect it a little more to legacy things, but as it is right now, it's just, oh, look, he's getting shot on the toilet. Classic Deadpool. Yeah, which yeah, is weird because Jerry Duggan has been writing a pretty good Deadpool. So it's, Oh, I, yeah. I love Jerry Duggan. So Duggan's it's weird Deadpool. that like this is what they went with. And it's just like, when Jerry Duggan gets into whatever his legacy story is going to be, like coming out of this, that's going to be great. You're going to forget this silly, this kind of dumb page. But like going forward, like Jerry Duggan, he knows how to write a good Deadpool. And I never liked Deadpool before I started reading Jerry Duggan stuff, so he made me a believer, so. Oh, he, he's done such incredible things with the character, adding such pathos to it, and really exploring the, you know, mind behind the madness, or the madness behind the man, uh, mind of the man, and what, I'm getting confused just trying to describe how good he does it, but he does it. Sure, sure. Oh. All right. So... Keep going. Keep pushing along here. So we have the next kind of one one page one thing is is definitely drawn by Jim Chung. Um, is it Chung Chung? I don't know how to say names. Um, and it's the the Fantastic Four kind of teaser page. So it's the one with Human Torch and the thing, and they they shoot the the Fantastic Four flare gun 
thing into the sky and, and they're wondering if, if people if people are going to remember them um what do y'all make of that page or the the idea um the idea of the marvel two-in-one book coming from this it's interesting oh, oh go ahead robbie no no go for it go for um, it um i i don't i guess um i guess since we're going to talk about this we're going to have to mention the last the last couple pages um I, I I do miss the Fantastic Four. I, I was never, like, the biggest fan, but I think it's weird having a Marvel Universe without the Fantastic Four. And given how Secret Wars ended and where they were, it's it's kind of nice to see Johnny Storm and, and Ben Grimm back this way. And it's even more interesting to see that last couple pages with Valeria and, and Franklin. Um, because I wonder if that means we're going to get them all back together properly as they run around exploring the universes. So, I don't know. I, I'm excited for two-in-one, though, because I, I do think that if you're going to get a half of a Fantastic Four story, you can't go wrong without with it being Ben and Johnny. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I'm, I'm very curious about the bigger implications of the Fantastic Four, where they were left at Secret Wars, and how the timelines are kind of messed up, and people may not really remember the Fantastic Four. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how Johnny and Ben make people remember them. Sure. Wait, wait, so what for were you me, say, Robbie? Uh, I'm kind of in the spot where I've never cared for half of the Fantastic Four, but the two that they kept around are the ones that I've really liked as characters. I mean, Ben Grimm, he's a fellow member of the tribe, so I, I connect with the character that way. But uh, Johnny Storm, he's been fun, and I think that they've been doing plenty of good stuff on their own. But it will be nice to see them working together again, and if they get the band back together, it'll be a nice... Uh, Nice reunion. It was good seeing that they haven't been fully forgotten. There's still stuff going on out in the multiverse with, you know, uh, Reed and Sue and the kids. So I think that this is a good time mm -hmm. to start bringing them back in. You know, they've had their time of going, you know, hey, the four's off doing their own thing. We can let these characters develop on their own. And also, you know, screw you, Fox. You messed up the movies, so we're not even going to bother with these characters. Um, So I, I want to see where this goes. I want to see how they come back together and how they've been changed for the experience yeah. what do you think about what do you think about uh chip zadarsky writing the the marvel two-in-one oh god that's so perfect it's so perfect yeah i'm looking forward to I, it. I would actually i'm i'm actually fingers crossed that when the fantastic four does come back if it's gonna be one of marvel's normal big names that it's him because i, I think he'd write a really fun fantastic four that kind of goes back to the weirdness of like the 60s and i'd be so into that I really want it to be Al Ewing. Oh, he's another great choice. I mean, I would like Al Ewing to be like in the position too, where he gets to write all the big Marvel books because Ultimate Ultimates is great. Absolutely, yeah. I think a, a Fantastic Four book that that came back looking something like that, where it like it centered itself at the uh, like it centered itself in the in the middle of everything that was happening in the Marvel universe, um, and like led like was the like flagship big thing. Here's where all the action is. Title like I think that would be that would be awesome. Um, and I think there's been some rumors on the internet too that like since uh, since Jim Chung is drawing this book that it'll be like a a mini series that's basically going to lead into the the relaunch or the 
the reboot or whatever of the of the Fantastic Four. Um, so I'll have to wait and see. I'm also super interested in it being Valeria and Franklin that are positioned right in the front at the end of that book, um, at the end of this book, because um, they're probably the most interesting children that Marvel's ever introduced, I think, um, especially with the alternate timeline stories that have been told of Franklin later on in his life and his power levels and the fact that Secret Wars basically ended them with, like, being, like, in charge of the universe. <laughs> right, um, right. So I, I, I'm probably not, like, I'm probably not thinking that uh, Reed and Sue are going to be gone forever, but I do find it really exciting and interesting that it's Franklin and Valeria that are positioned right in the front there, that maybe they're going to come back before their parents do. But it was like if it's a Fantastic Four with with Franklin and Valeria and and uh, Johnny and and Ben instead of instead of Reed and Sue and they're still out doing their thing that could be that would be interesting and that'd be an interesting way to to, to bring to bring them back in um, I guess kind of have your kind of have your cake and eat it too a little bit and so I mean Reed and Sue they've been through so much and now Secret Wars left them in charge of like the universe and whatever so like let them continue their honeymoon you know. Like I like to think they're off having a good time, seeing the seeing the whole universe, you know, having a good time, going to like beaches somewhere, some alien planet, having a good time, you know. Like send the kids out there; they can go have their own adventures now. Sure, sure. Robbie, anything else to add on that? No, I I think you guys covered everything. Cool. Well, right there on the the other side of of that page is the aforementioned. Probably the the craziest thing in this book, um, the intergalactic empire. Yeah, has of that Wakanda. been a thing before? Now I'm not too familiar with the Black Panther comics. Like, I have no idea. I I have not been reading Black Panther, and like I got to this page, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely my reaction. I think I I think I saw on the internet that this is this has never been a thing before, at all. Um, but I think it's awesome. And I think, and the other thing that I saw is that is that this is this the rest of the storyline is gonna appear like in in Ta-Nehisi Coates' Black Panther book. And so like like Coates is gonna be drawing this like crazy space empire thing. And I think that 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 is that is probably my biggest high point from Marvel Legacy Number One is that Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing space imperialism. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out because it's just so sudden that. I, I want to know what's going on with this. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a, I think it's a great lead-in to that to that series, and um, and obviously, Black Panther's been one of those series that is kind of, that people have have been pointing to as like it it launched and was and sold uh, like the first issue sold you know like like three hundred thousand copies, and then like it's excuse me slowly dwindled, and they had those couple spinoffs that didn't really do very well, and they're getting a couple more spinoffs now. And it was just announced uh, earlier today, actually, that that Coates and uh, and Jen Bartel are going to be doing a storm book, which I'm assuming is spinning out of Black Panther. Um, Jess, had you heard that? Actually, I I actually like yelled while I was looking at it on my phone because there is no more perfect team than that. I mean, that's going to be so good. I mean, the last Storm series by Greg Pak, that was really good. I'm actually really sad that it didn't get as much um, fan love as it should have gotten 
But, like, Coates and Bartell doing Storm, that's going to be amazing. Because Bartell has really been stepping up her game as far as her sequentials go. Because she's known mostly for covers and, and just these great pinups. Um, but she's been, she's been getting back into doing sequentials and she's, she's doing some really good stuff. Um, oh, what did she just do that just came out? She just had a, a book that came out and I can't remember what it was, but it was, but from the little bit I had seen of it, she's she's getting she's getting really good. Um, and her drawing storm that's going to be special. I'm I'm excited for that. It's going to be good. Great. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to see where this where this whole story this whole story leads. And I think I think Coates can tackle this in a way um, that is like very sci-fi, but also like very socially relevant. Um, which is, which is what I think you need for doing space imperialism. Like you gotta, you gotta be relevant. Absolutely. And sci-fi, the the best kind of sci-fi is the sci-fi that's like grounded in some kind of like big, like social issue or or whatever else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Robbie, you got anything else on Black Panther in space? I mean, just that you're. If you're gonna say something in space, you gotta say it right. Black Panther in space. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Cool. So I think that I think that we're at kind of the kind of the end of of the issue. So we have the one the one page about uh, the return to Planet Hulk, uh, drawn by Greg Land, which just hates <laughs> Greg Land. Uh, Amadeus Cho deserves better. <laughs> uh, we all deserve better. Um, and so then we kind of get into the final pages of this this celestial coming back, saying uh, summon the final the final host, uh, and then we get the return of Wolverine. So, what do you think about the return of the return of Logan? Almost exactly three years after he first passed, and I called it. I said, in three years, he'll be back. Yeah, I had. So I wrote uh, for Multiversity, like one of the first reaction pieces to the announcement of Legacy. And there was some some guy that commented on the um, on the article that told me that Logan was coming back. And he's like, I've been reading comics for 30 years. Trust me, I know that Logan's coming back. Uh, and I told him no. And then the day that this issue came out and it was announced that Logan was coming back, it was like several months later, he commented on that, on that article and said, I told you so. He was right. And he was right. And I had to, I had to eat my words. Honestly, I was expecting that Phoenix would be the big return since we know she's coming back. But I mean, I like Logan. I don't mind. Uh, I hope that this doesn't undo all of his legacy stuff. You know, we got, uh, Laura as her own Wolverine and she's doing a great job. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's a well-timed return. Sure, sure. Jess, what do you think? It is timed well, but it's also kind of dumb. Only because um, if if you've been reading um, X-Men Gold in particular, that's only been around for a few months, but he also appeared in, uh, in Laura's book, All New Wolverine, Old Man Logan is Wolverine. 
like everyone has written him as just Wolverine. They haven't really made a ton of effort in in those books, at least, in making him that different. He's a little sadder. That's that's probably the big difference. But it hasn't felt like he's actually been gone. So I'm not really worried about Laura, and I'm not I'm not really worried about her because I I do still think her book is gonna go on. I just don't think it's gonna be called All New Wolverine anymore. Um. But it's 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 a return that makes sense, and I knew it was coming. But it doesn't have the same uh, impact that I would that it probably would have had if we didn't have Old Man Logan. If he weren't around, I think it'd be a really interesting return. But it's it it's it is what it is. I mean, I'm not like mad about it. It's it, and you always knew he was coming back. It's just it's interesting to see that he's coming back with the mind gem. At the same time, uh, the the real Jean Grey is going to be resurrected, while uh, young Jean Grey is also struggling with the idea that the Phoenix Force is on its way, and she's now dealing with the ghost of the real Jean Grey, who's kind of trying to train her to deal with this. So there's a there's a lot going on with this one return that. Um, is interesting, but it's it, it's I don't have like that emotional response to oh yay Wolverine's back because for me he never actually left. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and and I think for me like I love all new Wolverine. Uh, I think I think Tom Taylor is doing a, a great job with um, with Laura, and I think that that book is um, I think that book is great. And so for me. Uh, Again, like kind of what we've been talking about with these these ideas of these these legacy characters being eclipsed by these older versions that are coming back. I don't want the like the beauty of that of that series and like the great things um, that like Taylor has accomplished on that book and like the character development that that Laura's gone through and like oh Gabby in that book like she's adorable. Um, I, I don't want those things to go away and to be eclipsed by this return of this character that um, I kind of don't really care about that much. I don't know. Wait. Yeah, as long as they don't undo the good that they've currently got going with the all new Wolverine, um, as long as you know the classic Logan can coexist with his old self and whichever you know, who they got for the X Men blue team, his his blue son, like whichever his, one. his son from the Ultimate yeah. Universe. So you've got old man Logan, his son, Dokken. All new Wolverine is Laura, so and now you've got him back. So <laughs> there's a lot of Wolverines running around. There's a lot of Wolverines to go around, especially if yeah. they try to bring in some of his evil kids from the oh future. My God. Yes, that's a thing. Well, it's oh my mostly God. Mystique Clearly. that has evil kids. One of them is also Wolverines. And that was a whole thing that like doesn't really matter anymore. But it was like. <laughs> but it was really shocking when it happened. That is some hot bullshit right there. Oh, man. Yeah, then Wolverine had yeah. to make a uh, mental yeah. note yeah. to never have it sex was, again. It was something. So, I do think, though, oh. that him having the blue mind, um, the mind uh, gem or stone, whatever they're calling him now, um, I, I do think that he's directly going to tie into how uh, Jean Grey comes back. 
Because Jean Grey is technically back already. Her her uh, spirit is in the Jean Grey series. She's She's been the one that's been um, in younger Jean Grey's head the entire time. Because she said somebody's been talking to her. She didn't know who it was. And she kept seeing these visions of the Phoenix Force coming for her. So in her series, she's been going um, to everybody who had experience with the Phoenix Force. So everyone in Avengers vs. X-Men. And then also traveling to people who can help her fight. And people who um, can kind of help her with the magic aspect of it. So she saw Doctor Strange. And doc- the issue with Doctor Strange is how we figure out that it's the spirit of um, the original Jean Grey that's been trying to talk to her. And um, so she's already back. She just doesn't have a body. So I'm thinking that maybe uh, whatever's going on with Wolverine is going to come into the the big mini-series that they're doing that's centered just around the Phoenix Resurrection. I I mean, it, it'd be interesting to, to do that with Wolverine being the one that brings back his beloved Jean Grey. And you could circumvent the weirdness that would happen with Wolverine and young Jean Grey, because that's yeah. a weird thing that yeah. needs to never be hinted at ever again. Yeah. I read a little bit of Lemire's Extraordinary X-Men when it was like weird-ish. It was very weird. And I'm also, I mean, just from, like, an X-Men fan perspective with, like, I love the drama that happens between, like, all these couples and all these people. So I'm super into Cyclops being dead, but Jean Grey and Wolverine being back in town. <laughs> he, he's got the window now. It's there. And it's not this teenage version. It's her. Let, let's overlook the time when uh, Emma tried to put old Cyclops' memories into young Cyclops' head to turn him back into self, because that's just creepy. Oh my god. <laughs> Emma Frost has not had the, uh, the best couple of years that a character can have. She's, she's, uh, she's not doing powers, too great. She has she's, definitely uh, lost but... her own mind. Oh no, go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Um, um, the uh, the last issue of Jean Grey actually had the spirit Jean Grey um, attacking Emma Frost because she she basically tricked young Jean Grey, saying, "Yeah, we gotta go. We gotta go talk to Emma Frost now." And like the spirit of Jean Grey just went right through Emma Frost for a big showdown. That <laughs> she's still bitter, so you know she's dead and buried, but her spirit is still mad. It's great. It's good stuff. It's that series has been surprisingly very well done. Um, but I do think, like, Wolverine is gonna, with that Infinity Stone, is going to tie into how she comes back, because they've been kind of quiet about that. They just, they just revealed, um, uh, Matthew Rosenberg actually just tweeted out, like, the five covers, and they tell you nothing. So they're, they're keeping some of this stuff gotcha. really secret. Gotcha. Well, so, so we think maybe that's where, that's where Wolverine will appear again. Maybe in the direction. I, I think so. I think he's. I think that's going to be his first. And do you think stop. any of these other Wolverines are going to have to like bite the dust in order to make room for for Logan to come back? Like, does Dakin have to die, or does like his son from the Ultimate Universe have to die, or right? If anyone does, it would be Old Man Logan. Yeah, Old Man Logan for me has always been a really strange thing to bring into the regular Marvel universe because like that story was that story. It's a very specific thing that was told. I don't really, and I think that's why people have struggled with writing him in these, in these books now, because 
it was he's not really a different character. He is the same character just at a different point in his life when very bad things happen. So that specific story, I don't think ever really should have given way to, oh, let's bring him into the regular Marvel Universe. It always just read to me as, we got to make sure we still have Logan around in some right. capacity. Right. Well, let's talk about, and we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but the, the end of the book where it's it's the revelation that, that Valeria Richards has been this, this narrator the whole time uh, throughout the entire legacy issue, and that her and Franklin are still kind of, are, are flying around uh, the multiverse uh, exploring universes and kind of kind of doing whatever. Um, what did you think about about her being the character to anchor this issue, Robbie? What do you What do you think? We'll start with you. Oh, I I think that was the best possible way to end the issue, especially for people who you know fondly remember the Fantastic Four family and were wondering when we'd ever see these characters again, especially because you know. Uh, Val and Franklin, they're still so young that there's still so much growth and development we can do with them to get them to the future selves that we know are coming. And to just end this with, hey, guess what? They're coming back. That is a great way to end the issue. Great note to end it on. Yeah. Jess, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, that that was like the best twist they could have thrown in there because they're, they're obviously signaling to the Fantastic Four coming back. So it's it's nice to see that they're still out there having adventures and that Valeria still has this like sweet spot for this part of the universe. Yeah. Do you think there's do you think there's a possibility that that Marvel is is just bullshitting all of us and the Fantastic Four are not actually coming back? Well, that's 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 why I think it's going to be Franklin and Valeria that come in and fill out the Fantastic Four. I don't think they're going to do a proper four reunion for a little while. Maybe when they get the movie rights back. Yeah, if we don't get at least the kids, though, heads will roll. Oh yeah, it'll the 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 outrage will be pretty funny though because I mean things have been going okay without the Fantastic Four. So like while it's nice to have them around and it makes the Marvel universe feel like Marvel, like they're not necessary. That might sound heartless, but they're not like necessary to the Marvel universe existing. Yeah, sure, but I think I, I think they represent something for for a certain a certain kind of person, and maybe just for just for everybody that like this, um, like that Marvel, you know, Marvel's first family that like this the foundational you know aspect of of the universe is missing, uh, and I and I I don't know I think that I think that means a lot in a foundation. I think that you can you can point to that as the as maybe the like, not necessarily. This is where Marvel's getting it wrong, but like they don't they don't even have their have their base like the the fundamentals right. And so, uh, how do they expect these other these other great things to kind of grow out of that? Like there, in my mind, there are fits and spurts of the Marvel universe that are really good and really beautiful, and then there are some things that are, well, but I don't know. Yeah, see, like I get. The, the viewpoint that some people will have, you know, particularly older fans with the found, with the Fantastic Four kind of being this foundation, but I'd like to see Marvel kind of pivot to creating a different foundation. You know, like, Marvel can still be Marvel and still feel like the Marvel Universe with a different foundation and still be about those stories and those big superheroic fights that we like and those big um good versus evil kind of conflicts where good always wins out and still 
you know, have that foundation not be the Fantastic Four. I think it can exist. It's just Marvel seems to be in a place where they are almost scared to commit to their newer characters, where they're scared to let, like, this group of Avengers, like Riri, um, Jane Foster, Thor, and Falcon, like, kind of be their foundation. They seem to be really scared of doing that. Um, and I, I'd like them to maybe think that they can make a different foundation that doesn't rely on those older characters in the same stories over and over sure. again. Sure. What do you think, Robbie? I, I'm in total agreement. I, I got nothing to add. Uh, Jess, you got everything that I would have been able to say to on uh, there. Nice, nice. Well, cool. So I think we've, I think we've, we've kind of reached the end of the one shot, and we've, and we've picked it apart. Um, so I guess the, the question that, that comes after that is, was this book successful in what it did, and is it, is it good for what it is? And Robbie, we'll. Um. I might be in the minority here, but I'm going to say, yes, I enjoyed it. Uh, I acknowledge it does have many flaws that we touched on, but I feel like for the most part, I enjoyed reading it. I enjoyed seeing what's become of all these characters, what their pasts were like, the legacies that they're a part of, seeing the return of Logan, the potential return of the Fantastic Four. I had a good time reading it. Nice, nice. Jess, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think there's stuff in there that I'm really excited to see where it goes. Um, as far as like what it had to do, it 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 did its job. It set up what's going to happen next, and it it did have a really interesting last page twist. Um, like as far as like the particulars, like I'm I'm as as unemotionally as unattached as I am to Wolverine coming back. I'm interested to see where that leads him, and what what that um, how that ties into anything happening with Jean Grey and and what comes next for the X-Men universe as a whole, because his return is going to be a, a big deal as far as the leadership in, in, in the X-Men universe. So um, I'm excited to see that. I'm I'm excited to see what... Ha- I, I'm actually super interested in Norman Osborn running around trying to learn magic. I think that could be a lot of fun. And and I am, I am curious about what happens with the Fantastic Four. I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to read two and one. Um, for a little while, at least, to see if it leads anywhere interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I'm torn, and that, that maybe leads into into my next into my next question. And, and as we kind of close this thing out, uh, on one hand, Robbie, I, I agree with you. I think I think I really I enjoyed I enjoyed parts of the issue. I enjoyed, um, you know, like I think the the Imperial Wakanda space thing is going to be awesome. I'm excited about the excuse me, the process of the Fantastic Four coming back. I really don't give two shits about Wolverine running around in the universe again. And I think that, you know, there was some weird stuff at the beginning. I really, I really wanted more of the 1 million, you know, or the ancient Avengers or whatever we're calling them. Um, and I think, but I think on the other hand, uh, a lot of people compared this issue and compared Marvel legacy uh, to DC's rebirth, uh, saying that this was going to be uh, Marvel's, Marvel's rebirth, the moment where they, they turn around and they and they get it right and and everything is everything is good uh, going forward. Uh, there, there's a there's a unique course correction. There's the apology. There's the 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 everything. Um, and I think if we're comparing it to that issue, which I don't know 
if if you can necessarily do that. Uh, but for the sake of for the sake of doing it, I think that this book pales in comparison uh, to that book. And I think that I think that what this what this sets up is a in like very stark contrast to uh, to what Rebirth did. Where like I feel like just kind of like what you mentioned, like there was the the emotional component to Rebirth, and we can you know debate the the ethics of having the Watchmen characters run around and all that stuff. Uh, not on this podcast, probably. Um, but I think I think at its core it was it was super emotional and and it really did set the tone and set the core for for everything that DC did um, or has done for the last year and a half. And I think what this book does is it sets up a lot of plot points, but I don't I don't think that it it necessarily changes the the entire tone of the Marvel universe in a way that that perhaps uh, it needs some of those things. Um, everything's kind of kind of still business as you as usual. The you know the creators that were on these books before Legacy started are still there. Uh, they're still they're still kind of telling the continuation of the same stories that they were telling. Uh, and so in that sense and on that hand, um, I would I would call it a failure and I would say that I didn't like it on that front. I don't know. No, that's fair. I mean, I I'm I kind of as far as like the emotional component, I do feel that way about Rebirth versus Legacy, um, because I felt like Rebirth was really them trying to course correct from kind of leaving behind what DC superheroes used to represent, and they kind of, they were just trying to course correct that, and, um, what's come out of that has been really good, I think, and has been a little bit more, a little bit different than what they tried to do with New 52 and before, and, and before that. And I'm like a new 52 apologist in a little bit of a way. There was some really good stuff there. Um, but this, the rebirth era just feels like them trying to get back to why people like DC to begin with. And, um, like the Watchmen thing is this whole other thing that we can talk about in, in so much detail that's still really icky. But Legacy just didn't have that for me. But a lot of that is just because Marvel doesn't seem like they want to commit to doing anything for more than like 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I didn't compare it to uh, DC rebirth when I was reviewing it. And in hindsight, that was a mistake. I was doing it a disservice by not, you know, looking at the two and seeing how they compared and contrast to each other. Um, but honestly, I just tried to view them as separate entities, each trying to do their own thing. And uh, I, I can I can definitely see and understand the parallels there. I mean, we've got DC going, hey, here's what's coming soon. Here's what you can look forward to. Whereas with Marvel, it's more, hey, here's what's going on right now. Pick up the comics now. Read it, read it. See what's going on with all these characters. Um, Yeah, I, I can agree that it didn't have the same emotional connection, especially with like a you know, classic Wally West coming back in DC compared to Wolverine being, hey, I'm alive again. Um, but honestly, I I could enjoy them both. That's... Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. So, so we, we purposely uh, recorded this episode after after New York Comic Con, um, thinking that there might be some, some big announcements and some big teases for for what was coming in the marvel universe and for the most part we we didn't really get that but i think i think having waited uh, a few weeks after marvel legacy number one 
has come out really kind of makes uh, this question uh, more important. And and this this where we'll wrap up. Uh, are you excited about about legacy going forward? And and Jess, we'll start with you. Are you excited about about the the, the future of Marvel having, after having read Marvel Legacy Number One? Um. Uh, mostly, it, it's gonna have to sell me. I think on like on the the stuff that I don't already read, like mostly the Avengers components. Like I I don't read any of that anymore, um, and I I don't really read Captain America anymore at all. So, um, like, and that's been before Secret Empire. So, um, it'll have to sell me on that stuff. But like, as far as where the Fantastic Four teases and the X Men, like, I'm I'm on board for that. I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. Right. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get me reading everything that it touched upon, but I think it does have me interested in what they're doing with a lot of these characters, a lot of these story points they brought up. And, you know, generally, I think it also made a good jumping on point for uh, new readers who wanted to get interest well, into the uh, Marvel Universe, but might be a little overwhelmed by how big everything is and how much history there is behind it. Just kind of give them, give them a uh, starting point. Um, honestly, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where a lot of this goes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'm about, about in the same, in the same boat as both of you. I think that I'm, 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 I'm cautiously, I'm cautiously optimistic. I really, I really want, uh, I really want what's best, you know, for Marvel. And I think a lot of these series, you know, looking at, um, looking at the handful of things that are actually changing and that are going to be new. Uh, in legacy going forward, like I think that those are exciting. I think I think Marvel Two and One is going to be a really cool book. Uh, I think I think the Tales of Suspense book with with Rosenberg and and Travel Foreman, the like uh, you know Bucky uh, Hawkeye like team up book. Like I think that's going to be kind of cool. Um, I'm excited about Doctor Strange with with Donny Cates. You know, uh, there's there's some exciting things happening and. Uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't want it to, I don't want him to screw it up. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Anything else to add? No, I think we've, I think we've covered everything. Well, yeah, I think we touched on everything that there is to touch upon. Yeah. Well, hey, I just want to thank you too for uh, being the the first. The first two on our uh, on our first episode of this show. Thanks yeah, for having same us. Thanks. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So uh, so we'll be back next month in the month of November. Uh, in the month of November, it'll be a, a bit of a different show. We'll ha- we'll start off with uh, some news and some fun things going on at Marvel, and then we're going to dive in uh, to to an older to an older story. We're going to pick up a Punisher comic, uh, and we haven't settled upon which upon which issue that we're going to we're going to touch on yet but when we get that we'll tweet it out from multiversity comics and we'll tweet it out i'll tweet it out from uh from my handle but uh if you like this come back for that and so uh so guys where can they where can they find you uh on the interwebs um i am uh writing at geeked out nation and multiversity comics and um you can follow me on twitter at camacho jess but fair warning i don't really tweet about comics anymore <laughs> um, <laughs> But you can follow me. Uh, you can find me also contributing to Multiversity Comics, 
as well as to Geek HQ, Geek being spelled with three instead of E because it's the internet. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter as at R underscore Pleasant, though similarly I do tweet a lot about the comic reviews I write, but I also tweet all the uh, more professional articles about telecommunications and yada yada that I also write. <laughs> Nice. And you can find me uh, at Multiversity and then also uh, on Twitter at KBGregory13. Guys, thanks for being a part of this. And to all you listeners, come back next month. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Podcast listeners, we're the hosts of the DC3 cast. I'm Zach. I'm Vince. And I'm Brian. Each week we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors. We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my wife, bad to end Dio impressions, this is bad, what the f***? and an in-depth look at DC each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Jurgens with us.